0: Hello, everyone. It's very exciting for me to be able to preach. Um, Dan and I are doing, well, Dan's leading everyone into what are cultures in the church? What are the cultures that we want to lay out in the church? And last week, he touched on something that's very dear to our hearts, and that's on reaching out to people. And um, so I said to him, you know, this is a, a message I've prepared last year. I shared it at my dad's church. And just to just to say, Yes, let's endorse this. This is exactly part two. We are a church to reach people in the city. Now, the title I've chosen is Being an Attractive Church. That might sound very strange to you. Is that even good English? Does that make sense? What what does attractive mean? Pleasing or appealing to the senses? Inviting, engaging, appealing in appearance and character. The church is meant to be these things. The church is meant to be attractive. You know, maybe you haven't had an experience. Maybe friends of yours have actually been repelled by the church. It hasn't actually necessarily attracted them. But let's look at Jesus. Here he is. This is a modern day um, Last Supper. And you've got all kinds of people being attracted to one thing. Because what is, what makes what draws you into church? What, what is appealing to you? What drew you in? Um, you know, is it, is it slick preaching? It's, it's definitely not this venue. Um, what, what drew you in? The only thing that's attractive is Jesus. Jesus is attractive. And for us to be a church that is attractive and appealing to people, then we need to be like Jesus. Jesus had a heart for the lost. What does lost mean? In the original Greek, the last means broken beyond repair. My gran and my grandparents are very dear to me, and she gave me, they don't have much, so she gave me this little amount of money, and I went out and I bought this beautiful vase, and it was just very dear to me, and I always kept it in the center of my table, and, and one day Dan walked up to my room and, and was like, I'm so sorry. It's like, what did you do? I broke the vase. And of course, I was devastated. And he rushed out the house. And he went and got um, glue or something. And there he was out. He was putting this thing back together. And I mean, it looked a bit different, the color. But I was happy that it was together again. And it was usable. And it was there again. And flowers back in. And I'm happy. And that's fine. And then we were moving things around the house. And we were getting tense. And no, move this. And no, that. And we moved this table. And my grand's vase fell on the ground and shattered in a trillion pieces it was broken beyond repair that is who god has come to reach those who are broken beyond repair luke 19 verse 1 to 10 i have it on the screen jesus entered jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of zacchaeus He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I've cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. What I love about Jesus, what's so attractive about Jesus in the story, is that he's inclusive. Here he is, surrounded by a crowd of people that is following him, and yet he is looking out for the money-hungry, ambitious, short man climbing a tree. That who he's looking out out for. I love that Dan and I hate exclusivity. It's one of our pet hates. And this church will never be exclusive. We will have a culture of inclusivity. Imagine, I'm sure for some people, you know, We'd love to attend, all the jocks would love to attend the same church. Talk about how many push-ups they've done, how many sit-ups they've done. And then maybe, maybe the businessmen, they all want to join the same church, that they can just be black and white. Come on, none of this worship stuff, none of this frills and spills. Let's just do this and that. You know, and then maybe there's the, the organic types. We talk about organic food all day and what's healthy and what's, what our washing powder should be. And, you know, then they just let's, let's just form a church around that. And we all click and we all just get on You know, and there's no worries. And what about a hipster church? Let's just make church cool. You know, let's just be all cool. You're not cool enough, you're not cool enough, but we just get each other. You know, unfortunately or fortunately, God knows what's best and he puts us all together. And he calls a church. All types of people that are drawn to Jesus because he is attractive. No one ever feels like they are not accepted by Jesus. So there's a crowd following Jesus and his heart's looking out for the outcast. And why did they say, Jesus, he's he's a friend of sinners. In those days, it was to identify. If you're hanging out with someone, it means you're identifying with them. You're like them. You're guilty by association. Okay, so, but Jesus, you're a good man. and, And Zacchaeus is a bad man. So surely, Jesus, you should be rebuking him. You should be preaching to him. You should be tuning him. But hanging out with him at his house, partying, laughing, doing life together, don't get you. That's, that is not on. You know what they said of Jesus in his day? Matthew 11, verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. They say here is a glutton and a drunkard. They're calling Jesus a drunkard. What, we, what, what would we call him if he was here in Dubai? Where would he be hanging out? Jesus was secure. He didn't care about the scandal. He cared about the scandalous. So if Jesus came here to Dubai, you know, firstly, okay, because he was in the temple when he was there. So which church would he go to? I mean, hope so. Hope that, you know, I'm sure some churches would be like, yes, Jesus, well, Jesus, um, welcome. But just none of this prophecy stuff, please. And and please don't perform any miracles here today. I'm working on a series on Lamentations for the last year. And no one must interrupt this series. And then after that, we will see if, if you can say something. But nice to have you. It's all about you. And what about during the week, the everyday life? I know that whatever he did and chose to do here in Dubai would shake me, would rattle me. Maybe he'd be brunching it up on a Friday after church. What's he doing? brunch? Expats, 500 derms. He's there, because why? He is surrounding himself with people who are broken beyond repair. What Zacchaeus said, the amazing thing about Zacchaeus is he spends this afternoon with Jesus. There's no recording about Jesus saying, okay, now change your life, preaching to him, any rituals, any sort of religious thing. All he did was hang out with him. But Jesus was so attractive that it caused Zacchaeus to say, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Do you know how wealthy this man must have been? Right now, I give, and he's publicly saying this in front of all his people, so he can't go back on his word. Here and now, half of my possessions to the poor. And the other half, out of the other half, the, the, whatever I, whoever I've cheated, I want to pay four times back the amount. So not off tomorrow, once I've planned my family holiday, once I've planned my retirement package, once I've put money aside for the baby that's coming, right here and now, you are worth giving everything up for. That's how attractive Jesus was. You know, we also assume to know how people are doing. Oh, no, Zacchaeus, he's so wealthy. Have you seen who he's hanging out with? He's so far from God. And so we don't reach them. But yet, look how close he was into giving everything over. I mean, this week we saw on Twitter, Matthew McConaughey's just won the Oscar. He's reading this book that Dan was talking about last week that he gave to his grandfather, The Case of Christ, Lee Strobel. Matthew McConaughey's just won an Oscar. He must be so far from God. Well, he's searching in the right places. He seems to be close to God. So if people that, if just, you just assume, oh, they're wealthy, they this, they that, they, they," you know, I mean, then Hollywood would be a very happy place. But through all of the facade, there's brokenness. There's people that are broken beyond repair that we need to reach out for. T.D. Jakes, if you know T.D. Jakes, he's a, he's a man of God. And he honored this one old lady and he said, you know, she is the only one. She said, he said, when I was backslidden state, people came for me. Uh, they texted me, they emailed me, they called me. You know, they, they said, come. But this lady came to my house and she fetched me. And T.D. Jakes has this awesome ministry because he honored this woman who actually took the time to go and fetch him. You know who will welcome the lost if the church doesn't? The world. I love X Factor. Love it. I love seeing the new talent. And, um, and I love, what I love about X Factor is that the first performance, you never know what's going to come out of their mouths. And it's not just in this little small room in front of judges. It's in front of like thousands and thousands of people. And you know, often they tell the sob story, but it just seems so real. They stand up there and they will just say, well, I've just come out that I'm gay with my parents and my parents have rejected me. They want nothing to do with me. And what do the judges do? We, how can she, we'll love you, we'll take you in, and there he is, forever lost, because the church looks down upon and rejects, that is not the heart of God, it was Jesus' mission and assignment from the Father, John 3 verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if Jesus is a friend of sinners, that means God is a friend of sinners. So Jesus said that everything he did was because of who his father was. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so it must be on God's heart to save the lost. It must be on God's heart to reach those who are broken beyond repair. Matthew 18, verse 11, the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. That was the purpose of Jesus when he came. Luke 5, verse 31 to 32, Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. At that time, the religious people were so far from the heart of God, they were the ones teaching the law, but yet Jesus to their faces said, You snakes. You brood of vipers, you sit there being all judgmental, but look at your own life. God sent Jesus on a mission to go and reach those who were broken, to go and show love to them. We saw uh, Dan and I on the way to the ladies' meeting on Wednesday, there was this ambulance we're like, where's the sound coming from? It's, it's loud, it's, it's going on. Then we see, but it's in the slow lane. Why is it in the slow lane? And then Dan looked, he says, oh, they're laughing behind the steering wheel. It's like, stop messing around. Times are urgent, and we're messing around in the slow lane. Jesus' every day was to reach people, not to be front row spectators, judging and criticizing. And that is why God has given us a gift. Do you realize that this is a gift? I don't know of another church in the city that's been given a gift like this. And the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And there's an expectation for us to use this for God, to use this as a place where we can see the lost get saved. It's a place that we want to do, so why the money? Why the decorations? So that we can be a light, so that we can draw people, so that we can draw and be attractive, so that people can get saved. Because clubs will draw people. There will be other things that draw people. Why can't the church be attractive and be speaking their language? Be speaking the language of the city. God has given us this gift. 200,000 is nothing. Nothing. He hasn't asked us for millions. This can be done. He's given us a gift that we're going to see the harvest is ripe, many people saved. Two, the second point is what is attractive. The love of God is attractive. If Jesus could say, you're alone in a room with Jesus, one word, he could say one word to you, what would it be? There's no trick answer here. What would it be? What would he say to you? Would he try and fix you? Would he try and say, what did you do last night? I saw what you looked at. I believe that if he had one thing to say to you, he would tell you that he loves you. What if I said to you, we are going to have on the screen, I'm going to get Jenny in the back here to play the movie of your life, your whole life. And I'm not talking about highs, achievements, medals, wedding day, the things that you put on Facebook and Instagram, you know, you're fighting with your kids, but then all of a sudden photo at dinner, family meal, happy, all things are good here not talking about that i'm talking about everything that you are hiding and not living in right relationship imagine if, how would it make you feel if we played that the amazing thing about the gospel is that jesus has seen your movie and he still loves you some of you are so far from god that you haven't heard God say I love you to you in a very long time. You haven't heard those words. If you haven't heard or experienced or sensed the love of God, then I must say that you are believing a lie that started in the garden where you have sinned and you have to run from God. You, you're not good enough To receive his love, you are not good enough to accept God's love. And so you run and you hide. It is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It is the goodness of God that changes and causes your life to change. And I've noticed that there are people from a legalistic background, they reject this message of God as love. They feel very uncomfortable about it. It's like, okay, enough with this God is love. Enough, enough. I can't take any more. But you're a Christian and you're a believer and you love the Bible. No, no, but enough of this love. You know, you're just, enough. How crazy is it? Imagine just you looking at your child. Imagine the, the heart for Colin Caris, love overflowing for Theon and hope. It's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're so adorable. You're so cute. I want to squeeze you. I love you. And the kids are saying, no, enough, enough. Only a measure of your love will do, please. Because more than that is, I don't deserve it and I'm not worthy. It's it's crazy. God is love. And so when we know God is love, we need to embrace all of who God is. And we are worthy of His love. We are worthy of His love. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son. He loved all of us. And you know what? It's the love of God that draws you into a relationship with God. I want you to understand that it's the love of God that you are now in a relationship with Him. And then now you know Him as a loving God. Then you know Him, you see Him as a holy God. And then you see Him as a God that you revere. And you begin to to change your life as you get to know this holy and pure and righteous and just God. Don't think that the love of God is a wishy-washy message. Don't think that it causes you to sin, but it causes you to be drawn in to Jesus. Because some people believe that the judgment of God draws you in. That just makes you petrified. That just keeps God at arm's length the whole time. And then once you do know, maybe some people have got to know God through fear, so they they keep him at arm's length, then they will never know the love of God. They'll never know the other aspects of God. But if you enter God through love, you will get to know all of who he is. City Lights will be known as an attractive church who is a loving church, loving to all kinds of people. The third point is grace and truth are attractive. Let's turn to John 8, 8. it's on the screen. John 8, 1 to 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. I'm just saying, that how did these religious laws catch this lady in the moment? What were they doing there? Anyways, teacher, they say to Jesus, the woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him. Don't you love that? Have you ever been trapped by a religious person? I'm not talking about other religions, okay? I'm talking about religious people in Christians. They're the worst. They try and trap you all the time. So don't worry, it happened to Jesus. They were trying to trap him. they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down. And wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. This is a passage of scripture that is going to be a culture in our church that you need to memorize when people try and trap you. Jesus told the woman accused to go and sin no more. It wasn't a threat. He wasn't interested in condemning her past. He wanted to rescue her future. Jesus is not your accuser. He's not your prosecutor. He is your rescuer. Jesus rescues us. Someone converted to Christianity and said what he found most attractive about Christianity is that in their religion, people die for their God. But in Christianity, it's God dying for us. And what Jesus demonstrated in this above text is grace and truth. Grace because she was clearly in the wrong. Truth because she said sin no more. John verse 1 to 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. It also says in NLT, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. You know, something irritates me when, when we can't have, it's like when you start speaking about truth, people, the grace people are like, oh, but there's always grace. Come on, there's just grace. And then when you speak about grace, then the people are like, no, but you know, you've got to have truth. In Jesus is the fullness of grace, and in Jesus is the fullness of truth. And so when you push into Jesus, you will know both grace and truth. You know, when people hear about grace, they often say, okay, well then, are you telling me, so now they're sitting there, they don't have a really real relationship with God or desire for Him, but are you telling me that there's grace so I can sin and do whatever I want and God will just keep coming back? Coming, Those people do not know Jesus. It is, I got this illustration from Judah Smith, but if you take Dan and I, for example, so for me, Dan is a good husband he's loving, he's affectionate, he's, you know, I'm I'm satisfied in his love, I'm satisfied in his husbanding, and then I think, okay, but he's so good to me, if I cheat on him, he'll just take me back. That is a very strange and warped thinking, but that's what people think when they misunderstand grace. Everything surely that Dan does for me out of love only endorses my commitment and faithfulness to him. Surely that everything he's doing, it's like, wow, thank you. I love you too. And so that is when you get to know God and you have sinned because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when you come into God's presence and we say, I am sorry, and we say, God's like, but I love you. And then you're like, wow, you love me even though this? And you start to change your life because you want to please Him. Because He's so good to you. Okay. A passionate church is attractive. Revelations 2. To the church in Ephesus write, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. So this poor church in Ephesus, they're suffering under hardships. They're working hard. They're serving. But yet Jesus is saying, you have a cold heart. Through the trials and the tribulations, you've forgotten your passion for God. And passion is attractive. For me, it's unattractive when I see people who are cynical, skeptical, offended. When I see people with bitterness. And don't think that we can't see that in you. You can't hide that kind of stuff. Because the Bible says out of the mouth, out of the heart the mouth speaks. Because that's where everything settles and festers. And that's where things, and you know, maybe life didn't turn out like you had hoped. There's some real, real disappointments that have gripped your heart. But unfortunately now you're looking at life through the lenses of disappointment. You are expecting things to be different for you. You were expecting marriage to be different. You were expecting Dubai to be different. You were expecting not to get sick. You, there were things that you are now looking at through these lenses of disappointment. But you know, maybe the disappointment was not brought upon by your own doing. But what is your own responsibility is to free yourself from that disappointment. There have been many times when Dan and I have been disappointed disappointment. Through various different things. But what we do is we don't want to carry that thing around with us. And so we go and seek God. We go to Him as a hiding place. And we worship. Or we pray. Or we do whatever it can to say, God, speak into my heart. Listen to sermons. I don't want to have this disappointment. Because it's making me ugly. It's not affecting anyone else. It's making me um, sour. So it's unattractive. Bitter people are unattractive, but a passionate people with love in their hearts, that is what's attractive. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You can go to Jesus with everything. Why should we be passionate? Because what Jesus did on the cross was a passionate act. It was a passionate act, it it caused his whole life. His whole life was passionate. And if you don't get excited or if you don't get moved by the power of the cross, then you need to ask God for a revelation on the cross. I've also noticed, um, you know, if people are excellent in their gifting, that's going to attract people, that's going to draw people. That's going to, and I've noticed that sometimes when people are involved in, you know, church worship or whatever, it's like, well, I'll just be half hearted in my skill level. That's all I'm going to give to God. I'm not going to grow much. But then you've got an opportunity to play elsewhere where the world is going to recognize you. And all of a sudden, I better put in the hours of practice. I better, I'm better. i now passionate for the world and for being recognized for my gifting, which came from God. So we need to be a church that is attractive because we are passionate about the gifts God has given us. We are passionate about being excellent. And that is going to draw people. Um, Five. A church on a mission is attractive. The call of God is more attractive than our comforts. Jesus was on a mission. Are we on a mission? Are you on a mission? I'm not talking about are you on your own mission. That's not attractive. Are you on a God mission? Uh, Suzanne is going to share today about We Care. but There's We Care that's coming up in April. There's uh, Sri Lanka Home of Hope. There's so many things. If you come to us and say, I want a God mission, we will give you a God mission. Because there is so much to do. And that is attractive. And that's what makes a church attractive. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. There is something attractive about a church being on the move. My dad called me this week to see how we're doing and I asked him how he's doing. And that church is just exploding and there's sites all over Johannesburg. And he shared about this one particular site, which is the Elberton site. And he said, you know what's amazing? Is that we're meeting now in a pub and we, we're turning this pub into a church But the manager can't believe it because the church is revamping the whole place. We are putting in new floors. We are putting in a new bar area, new toilets. So this pub is still fully operational. But the church is funding this pub, basically, because it's going to be used for church on a Sunday. There's a granny, puts on the gloves. She's in the toilets, cleaning the toilets from the night before. There is something attractive about a church with a God mission on the move. There's something attractive about sacrifice. Why do they do that? What, are the church crazy that they, that they are spending money? There are 15 people. My dad said there are 15 people that were around that Alberton site. that are saying, what is, what's all these renovations? I said, no, there's a church. I'm definitely coming to this church. Unsaved people being drawn because the church is so Attractive. Jesus never thought, how do I preserve my life? He thought, how do I save others? How do I set them free? How do I open up my wallet? How do I bless others? How do I give others a lift to church? Back when About 10 years ago, I used to lead a a high school student's open lounge. Student Bridget's daughters were in there, in my group. And there was a particular girl there that could only get to my house if I picked her up. Now, the group's in my house. So besides setting up and doing all those other things, I had to get into my car, drive, go and pick her up, come back to the group, greet everybody, preach, afterwards take her back all the way home. And um, I did this, and of course it wasn't convenient, but I knew that it was the only way that this girl could get this, this kind of input. And I'd come to Dubai, and Dan gave me a call and said, Starla, she's died of a heart attack. High school student. I'm so glad that I don't have any regrets. And that I went out of my comfort zone, left my house where I'm hosting it. Went and fetched her. Was there one moment where Jesus lived for himself? Right through scripture, you see a loving example of how we should live. Mindful of others, on a mission, never exalting our comforts above the call of God. There's these mad nominations that JLT started. There's something attractive about being tired and going to open lounge and having to prepare and having to give and having to go out to the laborers and give them what stuff that was so exciting for them. A breakfast, basic needs, clothes. Our open lounge is going to Sharjah on Monday. To, get, to give blankets where, where, where guys are using their clothes as pillows. Is it convenient? Been working the whole day. Imagine telling your friends, you're working all day. Some of you don't see the point maybe of an open lounge. But we gather together because we're a church on a mission. And we don't look inward, but we look, how can we... Yes, we would love to save our money and put it there, but no, now we're gathering money together to reach people that don't have anything. And it's going to always be like that. God's going to keep stretching you and stretching you and stretching your faith and stretching your wallets and stretching your finances because it belongs to Him. Our last point is a church that is attractive understands the gospel. Chris, you're welcome to come up and play. Who are all the Apple people in the house? Apple products. You love Apple products. I often say if people were as passionate about Apple products as they were preaching the gospel, this world would be transformed. I mean, have you ever had an argument? Don't even try because they swear by Apple. We are sitting with two broken Apple products in our house right now. But that's what people do. They put their faith in Things that fail. We need to be putting our faith in Jesus who never fails. We sang today, his love never fails. He never changes. Who is the hero of your story? Do you understand the gospel? That you're not the hero of your own story, or the hero of your own life. When people come and have conversation with you, what do they get out of it? Oh, she seems to be quite all together ducks in a row everything is there and or is God the hero of your story are you telling people how God's come through for you in a particular area how you were trusting God for finances and he came through you were trusting God in your business and he came through you were trusting God for salvation for your children and he came through is that part of your conversation or is it all about you I want to close with this thing that Dan's read before on the gospel The gospel is for the burnouts, the broken and the broke, for the drug addicts, the divorced, the HIV positive and the herpes ridden. It is for the helpless, for those who have no hope, for the outcasts that have been created by the church, and for the outcasts of our society created by us. It is for those who are the most serious of kinds. The gospel is for the brain damaged, the incurably ill, for the barren, for the pregnant too many times, for the pregnant at the wrong time. It is for the overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployable, and the unemployed. It is for the swindled, the abused, the shoved aside, the left aside, the replaced, the incompetent, and the stupid. It is for the emotionally starved and the emotionally dead. The kingdom of God is for the bigoted, the murderers, the child molesters, the brutal, the drug lords, the terrorists, the perverted, the raging alcoholics, the gamblers, the over-consumerists, the incredibly ugly, the ignorant, the starving, the filled, the filthy, the filthy rich. The gospel is for everyone. We are a church for everyone. That is our culture. We will not turn anyone away. Let us be, as we lay down these cultures over the next few weeks, let us be ready and prepared for when, as God's given us this gift, is when we're fully running. God can send people to us because he knows that that is a church after my own heart.
1: Can we all stand together in this, this prayer? I think what's we've been talking about the kingdom of God and stuff. That is an incredible message. Amazing, jeepers. Um, And I remember hearing a story. A friend of mine leads a church, and there's this hobo that came to the church, and a whole bunch of people. Instead of they had been teaching on the same thing, renewal. We call to renew cities. We call to bring the gospel, the goodness of Jesus. And this guy came in, and uh, smelly, whatever it is. A few people in the church gathered around him taught him a few skills. Eventually got his truck driver's license. He's got a job. He's, he's adding back to society. He's adding back to the church. And I think the saying that stars picked up the heart of the father this morning, that uh, we need to honestly get out of our circles of ourselves. And we live in a city where there's people that are broken, hurting. And we, we, we're so looking for almost a church that's that's going to bring that, those kind of people we are that church That's what just start saying we are those people we are, we are Jesus to society we don't have to wait for Jesus to physically come down and sit amongst sinners and sit amongst people who don't know him the sick the hurting the lonely we are those people and I think they're saying that for me that's just struck I think this is, is if we take this word to heart it's a prophetic word to our church and to our community and to what God is going to do in and through us so let's pray together Father we thank you Thank you, God, for the word that you, that you, that you put in and through Starla, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, that it has changed our hearts. God, and I pray that this, that this morning we would repent, which means to change our minds. We were looking at the church or society one way, and we turn around and we face the other. God, and we, and we, and we say, Jesus, we are, we are sorry for the way that we have acted. We've made church something that is never meant to be. God, let this church be, always have open doors. Let this church always have, have be where there's people coming that are hurt, broken, in desperate need of you. Father, you came to seek the, the sick. You, you came to not people that are well, but people that are unwell. So, Father, we thank you. I pray, Lord God, that this, this word today would sink into our hearts. God, we were broken beyond repair. And you saved us. And why everyone's eyes closed? Not everyone, I mean, I know a lot of you. But if you have never given your life to Jesus, which means that you know that you that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are in your sin, there's no way of you getting out. You are broken beyond repair. You've never Repented? You've never said, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Because there's, there's a thing that happens in that moment you give your life to Christ. It's, it's, he, he somehow gathers all those messed up pieces of the pot that Stalin was talking about, the vase. And he just supernaturally brings it together. So if you have never given your life to Christ, I'd like you to raise your hand. And we want to pray for you. It's good. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is like a fire in our, in our bones. Father, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that that uh, that going into this week, God, we won't just leave here today and forget that this profound message that you have spoken to us. And I pray, Lord God, it would just it would sink so, so deep into our lives and into our hearts. Can we all do that together? Can we make a commitment in our lives? Because we pray for the lost, we pray for people to be saved, we pray for all of that stuff. But we are the answer to our prayers. So let's just say, God, here am I, use me. You can say it out loud, you can say it in your heart, it doesn't matter. Just say, God, here am I, use me. Would you open up our eyes, God? We, if, we, if we honestly open our eyes in this city, we, we see so much hurt and pain around us. Here am I, use me, King. Use me this morning. Use me this week. Lord, not, let not my life count for nothing. God, I, I want to count for you, Jesus. And if that's you, could you just raise your hand and say, it's, It is a declaration that you're saying, God, I, I want to count for you. I want I want to make a difference. I can't, I can't live an ordinary life. After hearing a message like this, I cannot. After looking at Jesus in the scriptures, I cannot. After, after seeing a world that is broken, I cannot live an ordinary life. God, and would you save us from our, our, the kingdom of comfort? God, and some of us actually need to have stuff ripped out from underneath us. and just we, All we have is you, King. This is a this is in a sense a dangerous prayer to pray because it's it's being serious with the Father. It's saying, God, anything and everything is yours. Let us be your people that are on fire. In Jesus' name. Can we just appreciate Star again? I think that was. She hates it. But profound keyword. word. I was just taking notes the whole time, even though I can get the notes from her. But uh, thank you, Star. Thank you, everyone. Let's, let's seriously be that. Let's be Jesus this week. Let's try. Let's challenge ourselves. Go If you have to go and write something on your phone, put a reminder that's every single day, be Jesus. And actually make a difference this week, because we can. So, thank you.